Hi everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop, the first episode of 2024. Before we get into it, I do of course have to explain where I've been, what's going on, so bear with me. It's a mixed bag, frankly. The shortest way to put it is, 2024 is a make or break year for 17 Karat K-Pop. I'm just gonna be super real with you guys. I do love and appreciate, don't get me wrong, I love and appreciate all of you so much. Whether you're a paying subscriber, a one-time donor, or just a free listener, I really appreciate and feel very validated that there's an audience out there for in-depth K-Pop commentary, music reviews, etc. I love feeling reassured that there's this special community that really likes a thoughtful approach, not a clickbaity one, to K-pop coverage, and sees so much value in this grand musical universe. However, I worry not enough people are in that audience. To be more blunt, I can't keep the show going financially. The donations and paying tier subscribers have been enough to sustain the show, but that's it, and the amount is not increasing anymore. It's a plateaued amount of support, and I just can't keep it sustainable at this level of financial support. So the show is kind of on life support. I'm at a real crossroads in my life at the moment. I mean, writing on Substack and doing this show has been my job and my dream, and these passion projects just really made me feel like I literally and metaphorically find my voice and... I've cried about this a lot. I will not on the show, I promise. I'll keep it together. I've tried to get calm before recording, but it's been emotional because this is my dream and I just don't want to throw in the towel, but I don't really have a choice, so I may have to stop my dream job. And I feel so awful for any autistic person who saw me as this role model to prove that you can have a place in the workforce, like you can be your own boss self-employed, and make it work. Apparently, that was naive to think. It's not over yet, though. There's no way I'm giving up this dream of mine without a fight, especially because I feel like my options are few and far between elsewhere. I missed out on internships because graduated class of 2020 during COVID in the summer of cancellations. By the time internships came back, it was for the next crop of new college grads, which I no longer was. So I've been independent and that's it. So it's an extra uphill battle for me, both because I'm autistic, which limits the sensory-wise work environments I can handle, and I'm from the cursed class of 2020. I'm at a real kind of quarter-life crisis at the moment. All this to say, I can't confirm how much longer this stuff will last. It could be months, it could be weeks, it could be a couple days. It depends when I find more work, or my holding out for a miracle self still pulls through and gets enough support, enough of a boost from you all, that I can keep it going way into 2025. So if you want to see the show go on, you can become a one-time donor, a monthly donor to the show, or you get extra bonus goodies through my blog if if you sign up for the paid tier posts there. There are other ways to support me too. Links to do that and just reach out. Get in touch if you're a sponsor or want a partner on a Substack piece. Free publicity help. Whatever you want to do, please help save the show. Let's do this. Team effort. Links in the episode description. Truly, it is crucial. Make or break time. For the unforeseeable future, I will be still making episodes and posting to Substack but it's gonna be kind of infrequent compared to what it used to be. I can't sustain at the level I was with full-time doing this because I'm looking for other work now, so that is consuming a lot of my time. Keep your eyes out for new episodes, new posts, but just know, expect them to be much less frequent.
But you have plenty of my back catalog episodes to check out, especially because that really helps too. So if you can't financially chip in, you can still save the show and help with that by streaming the heck out of my stuff and reading it and truly every link, click, share, etc. It makes a difference. It exposes, it amplifies, it triggers something in the algorithms that helps. So please spread the word and be loud and vocal with your support for the show. I will get on my knees and beg if I have to because it really is just my dream that feels so close to falling apart. So please help save the show. Please help spread the word. All right, pity party over. I do have some predictions I've been working on. So now we're going to talk about what I think the rest of 2024 has in store in, as per usual, 17 main categories. Number one, the artists who I expect have a big year. First of all, I do think the girl group Global Domination will continue like it has been the past year or so. With Itzy, Ive, G-Idol, Le Seraphim, New Jeans, Kiss of Life definitely, High Key, girl groups will keep thriving. The Blackpink members solo, I definitely can see being more out there this year, whether unofficially just posting on social media more freely, more variety, to actual just professional schedule changes. This will be a big year for them with individual pursuits. I'll explain more about why I think that in a bit. I do think G-Dragon as well will have a big year. He's really leaning into the latest tech focus. He was at that big consumer electronics expo in Vegas, and he said he was just there to check out the AI. So I have a feeling he has a, a high-tech music video comeback or concert stage vision in mind. His long-awaited return to solo music, I just sense it's going to be monumental for him personally and just music. I think Alexa will continue to do really well with her audience. Not saying she's going to get more popular, but I do think she's cultivated a really special community. A quality over quantity approach to becoming a true friend to her fans. I don't think it's mutually exclusive that more K-pop acts will get arena size this year, much bigger crowds than ever, but also a lot of K-pop acts will have the opposite. Not much in between. More arenas, but also more intimate venues for the less popular acts. That sense of connection and pride in being a fan of someone who relatively not many people are a fan of or know about, that I think will, that appeal will for sure be there still. I think Hyojin from Le Seraphim is going to have a bigger solo, and that'll start with her collaboration with Max coming soon. Plus, she did the Groovy Room song. She's really solo singles already that she was very hands-on with. Then there are big, much-deserved, buzzed-about groups already. Rookies like Rise and TWS. So, Alexa, Girl Groups, period, Hyunjin, G-Dragon, Blackpink member Solo, Rise, TWS, P1 Harmony, I think they'll continue to shine, and Espa. The love for Espa in the world of the fashion elite and other A-list stars and just among us common folk, very palpable energy and excitement around everything they do. Number two, my predictions when it comes to AI, tech, the internet, all things digital and virtual. One thing to watch, I think, will be AI-generated everything. The AI craze that's everywhere is not going to be something K-pop is immune from. Artists like Espa went all in on the metaverse. AI is the new metaverse, only with a bit more staying power. 
it's here to stay and I think it will be incorporated into K-pop videos, concerts, the lot. I also can see AI becoming a part of subtitles with videos, because actually recently this startup used AI to translate President Javier Millet from Argentina's speech, not just dubbing it with AI to make it look like he gave it in English instead of Spanish, but getting his lips to move too, and his movements, facial expressions, etc. to sync up. So the days of making fun of bad dubbing might be over because AI can dub quite impressively, making it look very authentic. So AI subtitles for Korean language programming and or videos, don't be surprised if it happens. I also think AI will be a big help for South Korea's tourism. AI travel agents are not something I just came up with, I'm sure, and they're probably going to be normalized for your convenience. If you could just get your AI to plan your South Korea itinerary, I could totally picture that being a go-to. Plus, AI product placement would not be a surprise to see become a norm. It was used for the first time in a South Korean show just recently with the Maestra mid-show placement. I would also anticipate many more events in virtual worlds, like Roblox, Fortnite. I think gaming is increasingly about hangouts more than the actual gameplay. Roblox has a ton of those features, like they want you to throw a birthday party and stuff. Fortnite is hosting concerts, Monster X had one there, and in Roblox, NCT127 in Roblox 2, Twice had the first of its kind, ongoing Roblox Square, Twice Square, where you can go to play a trivia game, go to an escape room, etc. That in-game hangout is going to stay a big deal. I mean, even Grand Theft Auto released this casino feature. Nothing to do with the gameplay. You can just go hang out in the casino, take a break, I guess. In-game activity is super appealing to advertisers. Like, if someone wants to advertise in Twice Square in Roblox, that's quite appealing. Not only is gaming a way to get an audience that is not really that into just cable TV or infomercial programming, if you want to reach Gen Z, this is a place to do it. But older people too, because actually the average age of the US gamer is 35. So it's a misconception, it's super young. But anyway, disposable income having young people. They can be targeted with games effectively. With impressive eye-popping graphics and the purchases that come with being there. It's like if you walked in a K-pop merch store. Sure, it was free to walk in, but they're probably about to make a ton of money from you. Same here if you buy in-game stuff. I mean, Fortnite is free and you can play without ads, but they make so much money on in-game purchases that the revenue's in the billions. And if you think about the different platforms and the average amount of money they would actually get every year, theoretically, from each user, it's usually one or two digits. Like, Twitter on average might get $8 per user in revenue value. Snapchat, $3 a user. The numbers are low, but Fortnite, $100 a year because of those in-app payments, the in-game payments. Anyway, the global gaming world, a juggernaut to keep your eyes on, especially when it comes to the real world being related. The merging of digital and real quote-unquote normal lives, that'll keep being combined. So overall in gaming, I would expect more K-pop involvement in virtual worlds, more advertising, more AI usage, especially for selling stuff, more interactiveness like NPCs becoming playable characters, and more interactive activity. There's a Vegas museum now where you can 
draw something and it comes to life. Like this tech would take your drawing of a dog and make the dog bark and run in circles. It adds motion and sound to anything you draw. I know it's just like Espa's first short film. So that kind of thing is becoming so real. More in-app purchase opportunities for K-pop merch I would expect. But despite all this, in-person events, the experience economy, paying for experiences over physical products, will also stay big. The commonness of virtual world exploration, not mutually exclusive from IRL experiences. Ever since 2020, after that, people had the itch to travel again and realized it really isn't the same if they just try to experience some stuff via screen. One more virtual world update. Some of these predictions will go faster than these first couple. I do think YouTube is going to stay a big juggernaut for K-pop marketing, for K-pop artists to have solo channels, for K-pop reactors. It's a go-to for creators of all kinds. It continues to literally pay off better than other apps. It can give you your paycheck in USD, which is a sought-after currency. It has superior reach, superior exposure, and it helps give a platform to creators who feel blocked out from traditional gatekeepers to publish stuff like short films. So I do hope K-pop artists continue to have these side channels, these passion project outlets via YouTube. And the companies hopefully don't swipe the money they get from it. Number three, the sound of K-pop. What can we expect from the music itself? It's going to be short. I think it's just going to stay short. It's not going back to nice drawn out bridges, unfortunately. And actually, if you look back since 1990, the average Billboard Hot 100 song has shortened by about a minute, about a full minute shorter than it used to be on average. Expect that to continue cutting out a bridge or a verse. Expect more English language incorporated into K-pop more than ever. Expect nostalgia in some shape or form, always a popular choice, but this year I think it'll be more in the past. I think the disco pop and 80s funk trends in K-pop are kind of on the way out, and I think kind of a psychedelic leaning or a pop rock, psychedelic rock concoction is the next thing. Maybe just in pop, not specifically K-pop, but 60s and 70s psychedelic stuff, the latest trend. And expect no repeat of the Afrobeat success. Afrobeats around the world really just stratospherically rose in streaming the past two years. And no other market is going to replicate Afrobeat's level of success this year. I don't see that happening. One reason is because there's not a real, that I know of, grassroots, on-the-ground effort to make that happen. The Afrobeat streaming boost was not fully organic. Spotify was really boots on the ground, like hiring local staff in Nigeria, working out of Africa, curating playlists, finding physical and digital means to promote Afrobeats artists. They've actually tried very consciously to make Afrobeats happen, and it worked. And Afrobeats streams surpassed 14 billion last year. Not to say Afrobeats is solely popular thanks to conscious effort, but I'm just saying the next global music market all eyes move to, it's not going to reach that level of success growing its reach that Afrobeats did. Number four, more groups like VCHA I think will happen. More non-K-pop K-pop, which I have very mixed feelings about, and we could talk about that in a future episode 
for the sake of time, I'll just say I'm conflicted, but I just think that trend, like it or not, will continue. There'll be more, I think, global mixing of what kind of pop it is, like what Japanese artists are under K-pop labels and vice versa. AKB48 is expanding more into Malaysia. The Black Label is setting up shop in Thailand, having additions there, reaching new markets. That will continue to be a goal of some. Number five, what to expect from live shows. I would keep your eyes on the North Jola province. This law just went into effect that gave it this special state designation, this new status to kind of self-govern. And the goal is to just kind of inject a new status and an economic boost and maybe even a population boost to the area. Add new life to it, balance out the aging population there, keep the number of foreigners moving to that province on the upswing. So as a way to do that, they plan to set up a K-pop college, as they called it, and ease up immigration rules to the area. So in the years to come, that area might have some very notable music industry announcements. I think the Sphere, the venue in Vegas we talked about in episodes like Sphere AM, so I won't go into detail again about what it entails, but I think the Sphere did set this new bar. Like, so many shows by comparison no longer look so high-tech and sleek, so I wouldn't be surprised if other places try to have their own Sphere of sorts. But pushback is bound to happen too. Like London was going to have a version and might still do so, but for years now, there's been this petition and protest against the idea. They argued the London sphere would obstruct views, add noise pollution and foot traffic to the area, other issues. But South Korea kind of set up its own next level arena, the Inspire Arena. It seats over 15K, and it advertises itself in line with the sphere when it comes to seating. Like, every spot is a good spot, with a closer-to-the-stage position than you'd normally get. Plus, the rows are high enough and different enough in height that there's no obstruction. Other features, like the number of rigging points, are designed so that more overseas artists who perform here get to perform the full show. Because sometimes they have to scale down the special effects for certain countries' tour dates just because there's no room. And now there is. And they claim that attendees have been hearing so clearly at the Inspire Arena that they've been able to distinguish between the instruments playing at the same time. Stage configurations, free shuttle buses, VIP skyboxes, and many other details have been touted for the Inspire Arena, and it's affiliated with a resort much like the Sphere, so the AI travel agent someday will get you hooked up with this hotel ready to go there for an Inspire Arena show. There will be drawbacks, though, with any venue like this, like I said, and not just because of public protests but also profitability. Like, the Sphere is making a lot of money, but not as much as they spent. The construction cost ballooned to $2.3 billion. They've recovered about $6 million in profit so far, but that's a long way away from paying off what they owe. There's also been some CFO drama, so that's kind of a long interesting story about leadership spats. Venues also have to contend with a warming world and safety concerns. This actually might not affect K-pop acts as much as others, though, because now that certain insurance policies are in place quicker, they expire after three months as opposed to six months, 
to insure a venue in case you have to cancel it for a natural disaster or something. Those insurance plans are getting smaller, but K-pop acts, they usually announce a tour and perform three months or less later after the announcement. It's not like non-K-pop acts where it's like, see it in five months or more. So insurance-related issues with venues, they're on the rise, but not issues necessarily on the rise for the K-pop sector. Number six, what to expect from TV and movies. Korean programming will stay big, but no Squid Game level fever pitch of popularity. There is some lack of interest, it seems, in certain Korean shows compared to Squid Game. While Squid Game was on the charts, the most streamed chart, for 16 weeks, lately the most a Korean show has been there is 3, from 16 to just 3 weeks. Yet, Squid Game was way cheaper to make than some of these newer shows that are faring worse. My take is that it's kind of lazy to just promote something as the next Squid Game. In any way, just don't do that. Market it as an original in every way. But with the special effects race, really, globally, when it comes to movie and TV making, there's a sense of you don't want to be left behind. Korean TV per episode filming is way more expensive than it used to be. They're pulling out more stops. They're even building more sets for filming to handle the demand. I'm not saying in any way K-dramas and the like will be unpopular, just not at the peak that was historic for Squid Game. Partly, I think, because eyes are going to move toward Japan, which is number seven on my list of predictions. Lots of streamers are going to hype up Japan this year. Netflix started a multi-year partnership with Studio Panak. Netflix has an office in Tokyo. The One Piece English adaptation reached number one in more countries, at the beginning at least, than Stranger Things premiere did, or Wednesday's premiere. Yeah, that's huge. The Boy and the Heron has been such a big success. Movies and shows from Japan are getting lots of attention. Plus, Netflix had this big first-of-its-kind red carpet premiere for Yu Yu Hakusho. They had a premiere with fans in this massive Tokyo arena. This show, this is mind-blowing. Netflix spent five years making five episodes of this show. Two years of development, ten months of shooting, two years of post-production, and eight different visual effects companies teaming up. A gargantuan effort with so much money put into it. So that success they are betting so much on. And just in general, streaming is always looking to the next market, like with music. And there's a big untapped market in Japan, with Japan's streaming video-on-demand revenue expected to keep rising 5% every year for the next five years. Increased interest in subscribing and more room to grow. Because already, over 85% of the U.S., households at least, subscribe to at least one streaming service. In Japan, it's only 44%, so much more room to meet an under-addressed audience. Others are in on Japan programming too. Max is going to air Tokyo Vice Season 2 this year. There's rumors that Amazon Prime, Prime Video, has a big Japanese slate coming this year. Disney Plus has some Japanese projects on the way, including original anime. Pay attention to CJ E&M too. 
that Korean juggernaut company that clearly wants to be the Netflix of Asia and gave ton of its stock in the U.S. arm of CJ&M over to Toho. Let Toho buy it. A company in Japan, the one behind Godzilla Minus One. So basically they give up 25% ownership in a U.S. subsidiary to a Japanese company. So yeah, I think you will see more trilateral, global, multi-partnership deals. Plus, of course, stay tuned. Japan might have some fun, cute surprises this year as we celebrate Hello Kitty's 50th anniversary. Number eight, as much as we might see more K-pop and J-pop combinations mixing, not for C-pop. C-pop will not be on the rise, really, and China will continue to shun fandom culture. We talked about this in the C-pop 101 episode of the show, among many others. Essentially, despite the big economic benefit of fandom activity in China, they want to crack down on it. For social and cultural reasons, they don't like it. The power fandoms have to galvanize around causes. Even really noble causes like raising money for masks at the start of the pandemic and pooling resources during other emergencies. Or just meme warfare during political campaigns. They're a political force which China is hoping to stamp out. New anti-fandom behavior guidelines were issued just a few days after the Ministry of Education issued this proclamation The President Xi Jinping's personal government views will be adopted into school curricula to make sure there's, quote, faith in Marxism, unquote. Similarly, shows like Sing China, formerly The Voice of China, won't be resurrected. We could spend a whole episode talking about that show, and maybe should, because it's quite fascinating. Lots of sad and dramatic twists on that show, and just that network. And the network that hosted The Voice of China has been in hot water for so many reasons. Yeah, we have to do a separate episode about this, but just don't expect that kind of competition show to be big this year. Number nine. Companies to watch. I definitely see more going the route of Baekhyun, solo Blackpink members, where they choose to maybe renew a contract to do group activity still with a big company, but they have a separate contract to do solo stuff with either their own agency or some other smaller startup company. I think that split will be more common now. All the Blackpink members signed on to keep group activity through YG Entertainment but they're going their separate ways for solo stuff. Jisoo is setting up her own, reportedly with her brother, to lean more into acting. As of recording time, still kind of just rumored. And Jenny is setting up her own place as well. Baekhyun also set up his company for solo stuff, and his fellow ExoCBX band members joined him there. The black label I also see is, like I said, not just doing more in Thailand, but more overseas all over. I think they're going to keep distancing themselves from YG. They've relocated their headquarters and made other recent business decisions that make me believe they are kind of parting ways, getting more independent. But rather than splitting up, HYBE is going to keep adding. HYBE recently became the first Korean entertainment agency to set up a full in-house health clinic, not just for artists but trainees and staff. There's even this thermotherapy room and a physical therapy room, which I could totally picture artists getting tons of use out of. 
So that might set kind of a new standard. They might also, with their eco approach, like with their line of upcycled merch, repurposing banners from hybrid artist events, turning banners into bags and stuff. So in terms of reusing stuff, repurposing stuff, and a whole freaking healthcare unit, maybe people will go the hype way. Now, would SM Entertainment? I don't know. As they keep changing the company for the so-called SM 3.0 agenda, I remain curious what that means. Because I've been honestly disappointed that we didn't get a, an SM Halloween party this year or a New Year's Eve concert. The character of SM is kind of totally on pause as they build it, I guess. One thing I don't see them doing but I hope they do, is what they promised when listing their pledges for SM 3.0. More of a mental health prioritizing for their artists. Number 10, the F1 craze. The craze around Formula One races will continue, and I can totally picture K-pop acts getting in on it. When there's a big pop culture trend, especially in the U.S., K-pop acts tend to lean into it. And Kepler had that Grand Prix era last year that seemed to be the start of it. Formula One was the third most popular U.S. event for StubHub buyers last year, trying to get resale tickets. Plus four F1 races made the list of most in-demand events for resale tickets. It's become a big, big deal. I also think other K-pop sports crossovers could happen or K-pop incorporation of popular sports into their videos. I could see that happening, maybe, or a K-pop video game involving sports or K-pop times sports, just K-pop times sports in some way, shape, or form. I mean, the money streaming services are putting into sports, enormous. In last year, if we're looking at the 100 most viewed TV broadcasts in the U.S., the 100 most viewed, 93 were sporting events. We love our sports. Streamers do too with Peacock's first-of-its-kind deal to air a football game exclusively. So yeah, sports will continue to be a key place to advertise or familiarize yourself. Number 11 Esports has been big in South Korea, but this year I think it's going to take a bunch of hits. While over half of South Korea's population considers themselves esports fans, and South Korea is predicted to surpass Japan, I'll link to these studies on my site as always, in the global gaming powerhouse fight for that title, and esports market revenue has been up and up, this year is going to be an adjustment period because Twitch is shutting down in South Korea. A big reason Twitch got popular in South Korea was the esports function. It served for them. We don't have to get into the nitty gritty of it, but basically South Korea's net neutrality is non-existent, and so it's actually costlier to operate certain sites in South Korea than it would be elsewhere. So in a blog post, the CEO of Twitch clarified that, yeah, it's just too expensive to keep operating in South Korea. We operate at a loss there, can't do it anymore. So Twitch streamers who made that their livelihood in South Korea, they have to change totally. So at the end of February, Twitch will be done there. It's not like there can't be a repivot. I mean, T1 Entertainment could still be really worth keeping your eyes on with ties to PUBG, Fortnite, League of Legends, other franchises that K-pop artists have been involved with. So that stuff could continue, but the Twitch esports side of the promo, that going away or diminishing, that's going to be a big blow. Number 12, this is a quick one. I think more pet-themed merch will be a thing. 
because for the first time in 2023, the sales of pet strollers in South Korea, online at least, surpassed the sale of baby strollers. Their declining population number means that proportionally now, more people are buying pet strollers than baby strollers. Pet geared merch? Maybe that'll be a bigger deal. Number 13, more choose-your-own-group kind of my-music-taste-type programs. Studio PAV just launched Showcase with a K and are promoting this very vague as of recording time, but interesting idea that they would basically let you dictate the group activity. Like with polls and surveys, your feedback shapes what they do in terms of covers they upload, concepts they try, cities they go to, kind of my music taste-esque meets the triple S model. The point is that putting power back in fans' hands, that I think will stay a trend. JYP Entertainment, too, is doing this beta test of an app called Fans that would be about the fans recognizing their voice. That personalization is such a new norm, even across shows and stuff. Netflix interactive specials, choose your own adventure everything, that's not going away. For the music industry, more broadly, Music catalog acquisitions, which seem to be becoming more common, just buying artist catalogs, that trend, it's not over, but it's going to be choosier, so less common, more thought going into the purchases. We talked about this on an episode of Stay Tuned, and now it turns out groups like Hypnosis are acknowledging privately we may have overpaid for these catalogs. So there was this shareholder meeting I read detail from. The shareholder consensus is we need to change the business model. We need a big strategic realignment, new choices. Meanwhile, streaming does keep on growing and probably will keep doing so with over 4 trillion on-demand streams in 2023, 22% more than 2022 globally. I also think more will keep up trying to pitch alternatives to our current ticketing system. Ticketmaster alternatives, like the startup Jump and others, will try to get in the mix. There might be attempts for the next StubHub, too. Number 15, this is a story I just think you should keep your eyes on. I don't have a specific prediction for it. Just watch it. It's worth noting, I think, for the future of apps. The Korean Communications Commission recently punished Google and Apple, so now they have to pay a fine for violating this in-app payment law. They tried to get around it, forcing local developers to use their in-app payment. So they got that cut of the revenue from app purchasers. Instead of using an alternative payment option where revenue would be redirected. So that monopolizing power in court, they've gotten in trouble officially in South Korea for that. So they have to pay a big fine. They'll be fine. It's Trump change no matter what the fine for them. But it could give them pause in other ways when they try to prevent certain indie app developers from making it big. So maybe all this tech innovation that comes out of South Korea will have more of a chance of becoming popular on the app store and stuff. So my predictions. I detailed the artists, poised to have a big year. In terms of tech, AI will be everywhere. Roblox-type experiences will stay big, but so will in-person ones. They won't replace each other. Gaming will continue to be very lucrative for marketing opportunities. YouTube will stay a juggernaut for creators. In terms of the sound of K-pop, maybe sticking with Afrobeats as a trend. More English-language lyrics. 
short songs, very short songs, in nostalgia, but more 60s and 70s than 80s and 90s. Non-K-pop, K-pop groups will be more common. Live show-wise, people are trying to outdo themselves, make the next version of the sphere, but of course that is going to come with some big practical hurdles. Streaming-wise, K-dramas will be doing alright, but not replicate Squid Game success. Japan is where the market will focus a lot. China will keep trying to quash fandom activity in fandom culture and in the process won't invest too much in sending competition shows or other fandom producing pop culture. Company-wise, the Black Label will do its own thing more than ever. SM 3.0, who knows what that will really entail. HYBE will keep expanding in terms of services, the multi-purposeness of it all. And more artists will split up doing group stuff under contract with a big company and then separate solo stuff with their own agency. The F1 and sports streaming trend, K-pop companies see it, want to get in on it in some way, shape, or form. However, with esports, companies like T1 Entertainment, those partnerships might look different now with the absence of Twitch. My Music Taste continues to lay a blueprint. There'll be more power in your hands, DIY make it up as you go, K-pop group productions. More of a pet focus as opposed to a young kids focus for merch. The music industry more broadly expect less catalog acquisitions or at least more thorough talks before them. Streaming growth continues. And many competitors try to make a Ticketmaster or StubHub dupe, which would have more success in South Korea than here, because in South Korea now, there's the anti-monopoly ruling against Google and Apple's App Store activity. Not predictions, but other things I have to discuss. 16 being just some genuine questions. Things I'm thinking about. I'm very curious. One is, will there be more risk-taking when it comes to lyrics and towing the line when it comes to being banned from music shows and stuff, risque content like G-Idols? Will G-Idol kind of push that bar and make people more daring and not G-rated with their content? And I wonder, we'll talk about this soon in the next episode, Will Jane Wanyan really set a precedent with her lawsuit and victory in court against a YouTube defamer? And lastly, number 17, these are not predictions. These are just my manifesting into existence circumstances for 2024. The stuff I'm just begging the universe to make happen. BTS at the Sphere. Preparation for it, the announcement, late this year, for a 2025 BTS the Sphere experience, where the BTS music video world comes to life like never before. Since they're now both back at the same company, Hyuna and Dawn will get back together. K-pop videos stop using the Paradise Diner as a video setting. Sorry, it is so not aesthetically pleasing. I'm so sick of looking at it. Too many videos at the Paradise Diner. Please go somewhere else. More kind of I've times Saweetie moments, internet breaking, girl group global crossovers. A return to longer songs. I know it's not going to happen, but come on. I really appreciate a good bridge when they really take their time to tell a bigger musical story. More of Max collaborating with K-pop artists. Love his genuine enthusiasm for them. More upcycling merch. More resourcefulness. Jungkook involved with Usher's Super Bowl halftime show. 
a video cameo, some other virtual cameo, or an onstage cameo, just some involvement of him or a shout out to him in some capacity. The trend I hope VCHA does not set, honestly, is opening acts of K-pop shows. I know they'll open for twice for their Vegas show. I hope that does not become common, to have a non-K-pop, K-pop structured group be an opening act. I know it's a big deal for them, and it's nothing against them, but I honestly really like no opener at K-pop shows. It's just focused on that group, getting right to the point. Obviously, I love and support underdogs, and I get opening acts. I do think they're good, and it's fun, but I specifically like that at K-pop, we do just skip the opening. So I hope they don't set a new norm with that. I hope Joshua finally gets his solo moment, as well as more members of my favorite groups. And lastly, I want to manifest a boost for this show, the ability to keep it going, and maybe some partnerships like a K-pop-focused media co-op or something, some way we make sure people keep writing about and covering K-pop with the depth and detail it deserves, the recognition of its complexities, layers, intrigue, creativity, a world I have so much respect for, love talking to you about it, and hope I get to continue to. So again, links in episode description. Thank you all so much. Rate and review the show if you haven't yet. Stream it like crazy if you haven't yet. Thank you so, 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 so much. I need a new send-off. I can't say I'll talk to you again very soon, but I'll talk to you again for sure at some point. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Fingers crossed we talk again sooner rather than later. Have a good one.